Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Episode two, and we are still on the air. Amazingly, uh, welcome to Furdy Prime. James Sharman, alongside Danny Dicchio and Craig Forrest, who I think literally just rolled out of bed, threw a hat on. <laughs> Here he is, though. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Almost, almost missed the show today. You pulled a Dicchio, but yeah, you made it in the well, end. Well, I figured Danny was going to be late, so... Uh, you know. <laughs> Always blame me. This is the first time, (laughs) isn't it? It is. This is the first time in the seven years we've been working together. Remember remember you you, you left early once. Yes. Yeah, I did. But we shouldn't get into that. No. 50th birthday party. We were there. The fact that you made the show (laughs) to begin with was was, uh, a miracle, I think. I think there was one boxing day that I rolled in before him, but it was because I didn't sleep that night, so I just... Came straight to the there, there are numerous days at Sportsnet with each rolled in without makeup on. Yeah, because there was no time for makeup. <laughs> Literally or, rolled in, or we didn't have a makeup lady. Oh, that that happened a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah. be like, welcome to Sportsnet soccer coverage, yeah. and um, Danny Dicchio sweating beside me with Profusely. no makeup on and no tie. <laughs> no makeup on this show. And then he'd say, uh, "So what? What game are we doing?" No, that's not true. Always prepared, Deech. You were always prepared. Um, Kept you two on your toes. It could be more than could be said for some teams this weekend. Uh, What a crazy weekend of results, by the way. And we'll get to these games, um, but we do have our first guest today as well, by the way, um, in about half an hour or so. The great, almost the late great, (laughs) he's not dead yet, (laughs) the great Jimmy Brennan. Yes, looking forward to seeing Seamus. A good friend of these two. Um, I hate him personally. Uh, and he'll join us to talk some CPL coaching and football in general. So our first guest in room 442 on Footy Prime today. But let's get to what was a, a crazy weekend, crazy Sunday in particular. And you look at the table now and the top four and Leicester's sneaking in there right now. And United's lurking just above the relegation zone at the moment. We used to always talk about the big six and no one could break into that big six. Except for, of course, Leicester a couple of years yep. ago, but no, that was one of those those freak instances. But is this still a big six, or is that so organic, so so fluid right now? You, you can't say any team cemented in there. I would say there's no team cemented in there. Would you teach? I mean, you're looking at these results. One thing I say about it is that for the actual league, it's uh, it's great. You know, the competitive nature of the league and uh, not being able to predict who's going to be in the top six is, is only good for the Premier League moving forward. It's, it's, it's really strange for me to see this. I mean, we spoke last week about Man City and Liverpool going toe-to-toe again. But I think there's a lot of uh, 
big six teams that are going through transition now. We we look at United, we look at Chelsea who can't buy no players, bringing in a young coach. Spurs. In Frankie Lampard, Spurs who are going through a torrid time at the moment. I, I have no idea what's going on at Spurs because Pochettino is a fantastic coach, but now he's really going to earn his, his money now because I don't think he's been through a period like this, Craig, where... Mm. They've had their turmoil where they didn't bring in players, they didn't really back him in the transfer market because they were trying to build this new stadium or pay for this new stadium. But now they've brought in a couple of players to support him. There's a couple of unhappy players there as well or players that kind of want out now or are talking about moving to La Liga or they're up at the end of the year contract-wise. Ericsson being the main one that a lot of Spurs fans are not happy with at this present time. And then you've got a goalkeeper who... He's really struggling with his form at the moment. I mean, well, more than that right now. More. <laughs> you he's might got be one arm. For, yeah, he, he might be out for a while. Hugo Lloris, uh, yeah. that, that injury was just awful. He thighsmaned his elbow, it looked like. Um, hasn't mm. come out just yet what it was, but it appears to be a dislocation after the howler to concede another goal, second time in, in, in a week. Craig, any, any similar stories for yourself where it's like a double whammy, you make a terrible mistake and then hurt yourself in the play? Not quite like that. I was actually stretchered off at Brighton myself years ago. Um, windy night, big punt down the field, one bounce. Um, screaming at the defenders, don't let it bounce. They let it bounce. <laughs> and I'm coming up over top of somebody, spiked, you know, jackknifing into the ground with my head. And I think all three of us came off. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, I was clattered it? into the defender. And then he, his head hit the, the striker. I can't remember who it was. And then uh, we all were down. So. Patrick. Yeah, the hat trick injury. Hat trick. Yeah, was oh. it was it head or your neck? What was my the neck. Yeah, your neck. Yeah, which yeah. is causing me trouble <laughs> ever since. Hold on, hold on. What I'm more fascinated about is how did they find a stretcher long enough to take <laughs> Craig <laughs> off the field? With. His legs hanging off the end there. Just <laughs> yeah. picture it now. Yeah. I just I've seen a couple of classics with goalkeepers back in the day, most notably uh, at Toronto FC when we were playing Chivas USA. And um, the goalkeeper got injured. I forgot his name now. The, the goalkeeper for Chivas, and he was a big fella, like not big as in tall, but he was a big wide fella. And the the, the stewards or the medical people <laughs> trying to take him off were really struggling. There was four of them. You know, you normally have two. There was four of them, and one of I think one or two of them was a lady as well. And they just got round the home end goal, and they dropped him. And that was probably the loudest cheer of the day because we weren't the, the best of teams to watch in those days. But That happened to John Moncur, too, at West Ham. They dropped him off the stretch. Right in front of the chicken run. <laughs> Great place. Well, and then he jumped, up, player, he jumped but... up. He's on a dresser. Then he gets flipped off because they drop him on the, right in front of the crowd. And then he jumps up like there's nothing wrong with them and just berates them all. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't John, you John, you're hurt. Yeah. I think it's a real specialist uh, person that has to carry people off the field and like they trained for that uh, like you got a bench by the looks of these people uh, yeah Yeah, by the looks of Toronto FC that day they did not train these people it's one of my favorite things in sports is when you see the the injured player full of a stretcher it's it's kind of that morbid (laughs) sense of humor in mind I love it remember Mike Madano hockey player years ago I think he was playing for Dallas at the time and came off with a neck injury looked really serious and he was going onto the ambulance and, and they dropped him it's like, Jesus Christ, that's awful, but really funny at the same time. <laughs> yes, oh. That is your morbid personality coming through, Shams. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, going out loud, I mean, Lloris, we, we think it's a dislocation at the moment, um, but the way he's playing at the moment, well. Yeah, he might want some time off. Anyway. Yeah, he might want some time off. But See you, what you, happens with this. Club. You know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think 
you know, the club is obviously run a lot different than, you know, we're talking about Spurs, are run a lot differently than most clubs. Uh, um, financially, they've done very well. Um, yep. The new stadium costs them a billion pounds. Uh, lots to deal with there for Levy. Uh, some criticism, though, and I think the players themselves have, have run a course almost at Spurs. That they needed to have some uh, reinforcements uh, and and sort of some of these other guys who clearly want away now. So that whole chemistry in the dressing room has changed. Don't yep. you feel that? And they, and they haven't won away for ages. They no. they're struggling. Um, well, I saw some some outrageous comments this week about Pochettino getting sacked. There's no chance, no chance that Spurs. A sack in Pochettino. For me, they have to move three or four players out of their unhappy players and, and try and bring in. But but shouldn't he have done that before? I mean, I'm not sure if it's his call or not. But that that refresh in the squad and this is a team that was known for its its pressing, its energy, winning the ball back. This season, we're seeing none of that. So, yeah. is that a coach that's lost the message, or is it a fatigued team? That's a good question. I, I mean, I understand that Poch is a is a tough coach as far as training sessions go. He likes a lot of yeah. double sessions and expects a lot from the players, whether that has uh, got to them uh, eventually and they're not being able to keep it up. But I think that when they, you start getting results like this too, you start to see who's who and the characters of these individuals for the team too and where they're going to go, where they're going to hide and whether they actually show up and play or not in a proper way. The big, that's the big thing. The character of this team is, is really being tested. Not only the, the coach now, but you look at the likes of Deli Ali, who's just missed out on the England squad as well. You look at uh, players like Son, who I, I really like as a player, but he's struggling mm-hmm. with his form. I mean, he scored a couple of goals early on, but he's struggling with his form. Harry Kane is not playing at his top um, level at the moment. And that's not to say they're bad players all of a sudden, but there's something wrong with the chemistry. It's all rosy when things are going really, really nice. You're winning games and the media mm-hmm. and the fans are patting you on your back. But when things start to go bad, that's where you... Find out the true test of, of your team and the character that it has within it. But do teams need that refresh each year to keep uh, players hungry? You can't have the same group for, for two, three years in a row. I mean, not, not say wholesale changes. Well, you look at you Liverpool. Mean, Liverpool right. didn't buy anyone this year. They won the Champions League. Yeah. Everyone was hammering them this, this off-season saying, we haven't bought a single person. We've lost this pre-season game. We've lost that pre-season game. They've gone, what, eight on the bounce now? But that's it. Really, it's their the second year as being a real relevant force, right? The year before, before Van Dyke arrived, they weren't quite what they are now, right? Whereas Spurs have been the same group of players now for what, mm. four, yeah, five years now. And the fact time. that Liverpool missing out with ninety-seven points, yeah, uh, that could go both ways for them too, where they put in such an effort, but the Champions League was a big thing at the end of the season, so they still won an absolutely maybe the biggest club trophy there is. Um, and they've got a little bit of luck and a little fortune. Even when they played poorly, they've still picked up points. A couple of years ago, that was the problem. We, yeah. They would always give up uh, late goals and things like that. Now things are going their way. There seems to be something different. And then with, a, with that late penalty um, against Leicester, who also were playing very well, by the way, um, it just seems as though everything's falling into place. Very Dubious nicely. penalty, by the way. Are, are you kidding penalty? me? Money was lucky to walk off the field. <laughs> it was a terrible challenge. I was shocked. You played rugby. Leg, you leg played rugby, fella. Huh? <laughs> That's just a brush. In Are rugby. you suggesting that that he dove? I can't believe. Listen, you're he made that. the most of that. We know he made the most of that. If you're true to yourself, Shams, I know you're red through and through, and I love watching Liverpool play. But that was a very dubious mm-hmm. penalty to give in the last seconds of that game. Leicester played ever so well. They went toe to toe with Liverpool. Liverpool, oh, yeah. I think, were a little bit shocked. They were a little bit frustrated at times as well because Leicester defended so well. They, they were a threat on the counter, as we know they are, with Vardy. But I just think that's a, like, 
listen, the guy's made a connection. He's connected with Mane's foot, but to roll around like that. Well, Leicester learning, you know. I mean, listen, I, I say they're learning. and It's easy to patronise Leicester. They won the bloody championship of fully deserving a couple of years ago now. But you're at Anfield, you know, against a team that's arguably the favourites to win the championship. Um, you've seen referees buckle under the pressure before. I mean, I'm sure you guys knew that certain teams you play, back in your era, Old Trafford, you knew they'd get the calls. Is that now happening at Liverpool? Well, hey, listen, it went to VAR. They get to look at it. And I think, you know, with this clear and obvious, um, even when I saw it, I thought they're not going to reverse it, even though everybody knows, if you're quite honest, that it was an embellishment. And it's an art form. And there's a lot of players, like if I clipped you, Danny, you, you would go down in installments and they would probably start laughing at you. But it is, when you yeah. see these players, they're actually thinking, and this is where the mindset's changed for a lot of players. You'd be thinking about just standing on your feet, trying to get turned and trying to get a shot on net. Now it's like you're waiting for that clip. And when they get clipped, how they collapse yeah. so quickly. Players is... train for that for that actual situation. Do your players train for that? They no. Ch- you're a coach? We, we don't try to... <laughs> no. No, we don't not. try to emphasize that you have to dive. But there's, there's certain games or certain tournaments that we play in where we're playing against um, uh, the Mexicans who are very, very good at, at buying fouls or buying penalty kicks in the out. They know how to manage games. So we're just asking our younger Canadian boys to be not so naive, but mm-hmm. to understand that that's a part of the game. That's now, the that, word naivety, yeah. right? I think it's, yeah. it's okay. We're not saying we, you're not saying dive blatantly, but if you are fouled in the area, don't be a hero and stay on your feet. That's exactly what I would say. Oh, when we were playing in that international game, especially in CONCACAF, who referees would get sold on that easy, uh, easily. Um, used to tell play Carlo Corsi and you get in the box if they, even in the gold cup, there was a blatant foul in the final against Colombia. But, um, get yourself on the deck. Get yourself on. I mean, this is the world you're living in. And yeah. if we, you know, as Canada playing in CONCACAF, you've got you to you adapt to the situations as it is. And it's a different ball game playing in international football and CONCACAF as it would be playing in the Premier League. Even back in the 80s and 90s, you know, it was very direct, but internationally, different game. You just have to know who you, who you, you were kind of laughed at, like laughed upon if you kind of went down easily, if you went down with a like even a 50-50 challenge and you stayed down you were kind of laughed upon to say yeah come on get up yeah. big soft it, it was it was much like the hockey mentality in Canada you know where it was very honest fair um you didn't want to be stretched off because that was a little bit seen as a little bit of an embarrassment so it was different and then the game sort of slowly evolved and with the foreign influence of the game in the Premier League it was it was inevitable that it was coming interesting in the same game the Liverpool game we saw an, another situation where Jurgen Klopp came out, I think, unfairly and, and criticised the Leicester player, uh, Chowdhury, I think it was, on mm. the challenge on Salah. Yes, it was a, a heavy challenge, but it was a professional foul where he was trying to keep his team in the game at Anfield, where they've been playing very, very well to try and get a result. Was it harshly done? Yes, but it was exactly what either coach, and I'm sure Klopp's done it in his, his timeline as well, would have said to his player, where... They're a team like Salah, uh, whoever it is, Mane, Firmino, whoever, very, very quick counter-attack team. If we let them continue, we're going to have probably the, the chances of them scoring go up by 100%. So it was a professional foul, the correct thing to do. It's a bit just, clumsy, perhaps. Is that a little bit clumsy. I think he, he thought he was trying to hurt him more than... 
supposedly so. And I, I just think it was a that's another part of the game that we're seeing now that that a lot of coaches kind of hide away from, but they know they ask their players to do it. Well, I mean, the, the slide tackle, is it a dying art? I love a good slide tackle, but you see it so rarely now. Um, mm. I, I know at younger age groups you can't do slide tackles, right? But even in, in the Premier League or, or the Serie A, you see it so rarely now because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Generally, unless you get the ball cleanly, even you're going to get the call. Even then. So you know players know too when they're use, overuse of force. Um, used to be get the ball, clean the man out, perfect textbook tackle. Newcastle sending off yeah. was an example of uh, that. Um, nowadays, uh, and rightly so, to protect the players, it, it, overuse of force can uh, can injure players. And so it's not just winning the ball anymore. And you're right. You look at a lot of the best teams, they don't go to ground. Mm. You know, you look at Man City, they, they'll stay on their feet. They, they, they have these tactical fouls they do very well. Very in the well, right yeah. areas in the right field, but they don't go to ground very well, uh, very often. They they press really hard, stay on your feet, and doing it very well. You shouldn't, unless you're desperate, go to ground anyway. Maybe they should have done more of that against Wolves. City lose, yes, again. Wow, my word! It's the worst start since thirteen fourteen under Pellegrini for City. Eight points behind Liverpool. What's the reason? But what did they is do that a, year? Is that did, a reason? Did they go and win the title that year? Thirteen uh, fourteen, no. I nope. don't think so. Yeah. You're asking me the wrong question, Beach. I'm not <laughs> they, uh, 13, 14? We'll, we'll, we'll look at it. I can't remember that far back. I can't remember that far back. I can't exactly. <laughs> I think you should have a look at it and see yeah, what they, they went and well, yeah. I mean, people are saying eight points and it's, it's done. Like, come on. No. It's October. It's not done. They played them twice still, yeah. right? This is wide open still, but what is wrong with City? Listen, let's not take anything away from Wolves, who played a spectacular game. They defended very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nuno Espirito de Santo, the man with the best beard in the whole world of football, <laughs> had him set up perfectly. And Pep came out afterwards and he said, look, we've played against teams that play in a deep block. We know how to play against teams like this. Shit, they won. And yeah, They won just, that year. 13-14. <laughs> I they told won. you they yeah. won that Married. year. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Were the... Uh, how far are they back at this stage? Oh, Christ. No, you're asking too much. Yeah, no, on. they were. I think Come they were like eight, was it eight games in? Eight, eight or nine points. City were behind yeah. that, that time under Pellegrini, and they came back to win the title. But going back to, to the Wolves game, they were set up perfectly. They played three at the back. Their wing backs were dropping in deep. They had a really low block, and they managed to keep City at bay for the majority of the game, and then they made one tactical change. They changed their right back, um, Troy, to put him up top. And they just countered them twice beautifully. And Man City didn't know how to handle it. We know Fernandinho has done a great job for Man City at the back, but he's not the quickest of players to manage a counterattack. And Wolves exploited them perfectly twice. Mm-hmm. And you have to give a lot of credit to them because they defended with their lives. Bowley at the back, who's rumoured to be going to Arsenal in January. Cody played really well. Patricio was a, a, an experienced goalkeeper. They managed mm-hmm. the game very well, frustrated Man City. Mm-hmm. And Pep came out, he said, again, we've played against a low block before. We know how to deal with it. We usually find a solution a lot quicker than what we did. Mm-hmm. And we just seem to be getting Some pressure on Wolves frustrated that even too, more. Eh? Yeah. They they're they're now middle of the table now, yeah. Wolves. Yeah. Well, you look at Palace as well. Yes. Palace were bottom. They hadn't won a game in the first four, three Jesus. or four games. Give Roy Hodgson credit, Now they're right? like seventh place, I think. Yeah, they're going to be in Europe next year. <laughs> Roy finds a way to they're organize sixth teams. Place. Uh, sixth place, sorry. Yeah. City were in uh, in fourth place back in 13-14 after eight games. 16 points, three back of Arsenal in first place. Sorry, Gunners fans, but 
one of those 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 seasons where you're in first place looking pretty good and then you crumbled. Yeah. By the way, the Ars- Arsenal, by the way, are sitting what in third place right now? Yes. Two points back of City. L- last week it was one get rid of Emery. It's not working out. I yeah. know there's issue. I know there's issues there, and they're a volatile team, but they're sitting in third place. It's been a just shows what a crazy season it's been so far. In the table, at least. We spoke about Arsenal last week as well. They were another team going through transition. And I watched a lot of this game against Bournemouth at the weekend. And Bournemouth were another team that I think could be like Leicester, could possibly break into that top six or top seven if they go on a good run. We all know Eddie Howe as a coach has done a fantastic job there. They've spent money wisely. They've got a lovely little ground down there that make it very difficult for teams to come down there and get the result. But I just love the way that he hasn't gone away from his philosophy, his style of play. And they've continued to, to, to hurt teams, especially with the front two of King and Wilson, who's scoring goals again. Mm-hmm. And they were actually unlucky uh, at Arsenal midweek, and uh, sorry, on the weekend. And Emery actually came out and said, I wasn't happy with our performance. We got the win. The second half, uh, especially, we did not play very well. And, and Bournemouth deserved more out of the game. You look at this, they played, everybody's played eight games. Everybody's lost two games at least, except for Arsenal and Liverpool, of course. Yeah, that's quite astonishing, really. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, which is great for the league, I think. And uh, Watford haven't won, right? Watford have not. Yeah, amazing. United, United lose again, um, and it's the international break, and it's this window, generally speaking, where you see a lot of change in the managerial front because it's the time to fire them before they can prepare for a new window, etc., etc. Only Gunner. Um, it's just gone from bad to worse this season. Um, you look at him, you look at Potch, you look at, um, I guess, Marcus Silva at Everton as well. Out of those three guys, who, who's more likely to be fired this international break, if any of them? Mm. Who was the other one? Who was the third? Marcus Silva. Oh, yeah. Bottom three. <laughs> Winless in yeah, seven, Silva, I think maybe. it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Oli's got to be under pressure, right? And the way that club's run... They'd fire him. I've got a great tweet, actually. I'll find it in a second. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they might find with having no one else prepared to take over at that point. But there's guys out there sitting around. Max Allegri, for example, will be linked with him. Yeah. If Zidane gets fired at Real Madrid, then that could you know, open up a lot of possibilities. I don't think Zidane, at the moment, would take Manchester United. But I'm saying, but if he gets fired, though, then maybe... The, the dominoes begin to fall. Oh, so right, maybe yeah. a pot oh, for sure. gets lured there and then <laughs> someone goes there, blah, 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 right? Yeah. But something's got to happen here at United. They are a bad team. I don't blame Oli for it. This, is, this goes beyond Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, but did yeah. you watch that game? That's yes. Manchester United. Yes. Forget bad. the fact that there's no fight. There's no... If they could replace defence midfield and attack, they'd be okay. But there's no, <laughs> nothing going forward at all. No. You know... It, Maybe we should have given Mourinho even more credit. Remember he said after getting them finished, what, second? second yeah. It was a, one of the best achievements ever. <laughs> um, now looking at the squad and looking what's going on Could there. be right. You know, I was one of them when Ole Gunnar took over. Remember he was on fire. He couldn't stop. Yeah. He couldn't lose games. He was doing really brilliantly well. And I was one of the say, you yeah, know. We give, were both very yeah, supportive of Give, him it, give it to him. Why wouldn't you? And a lot of the f- former Man U players, Rio Ferdinand, yeah, you know, all these guys, Everyone. sign them up, everybody. It was ludicrous to give them that contract when they did. After that start, you but, look at the games and who they yeah, played, no. and it was but listen, this a is, short-sighted this, thing to this do. This has been going on for a long time now, guys. Even before Mourinho, even when Louis van Gaal was brought in, Manchester United went totally away from their long-term strategy, uh, their principles of the club, their culture, they, they let Louis van Gaal come in, who they thought was going to be this new Alex Ferguson, bringing in this regimented style. 
but he brought in 11 players for something like 260 million. Ousted 10 to 11 players that were part of that squad. Okay, they weren't performing very well, but they were understanding of what the culture was and what was needed at Manchester United. Didn't work out for Louis van Gaal. He had a torturous time there. Then they bring in Mourinho. Mourinho was trying to implement his style of play. And we all know he's a very, very strong personality that it's either my way or the highway. He brought in four or five players as well, possibly not Manchester United caliber players. And he, also, he wanted players too. That he, he wasn't wanted allowed to get as well. centre backs in particular. Exactly. He did sign so that. now it's mm-hmm. basically, I look at Ole's um, interview this weekend and he's talking about players' heads and trying to get into them and trying to get them back onto uh, a mentally strong, stable environment where they can show their confidence. I have, I, I see no confidence with this team at the moment. I look at Marcus Rashford, <laughs> who I like very much as a player, but he just looks like he's out at sea at the moment by himself. And it's not that he's performing good, but it's just... His confidence is so low at the moment. Their style of play, we all know United from back in the day, they like to play with two wingers. They're very fast on the flanks. They have a striker that can make things happen by himself. They have a stellar midfield that worked the the opponent's midfield, outworked the opponent's midfielder, and a strong back line. How how long has it been since United have had that? How long? And you ask any United fan who is very honest and will say, listen, we we haven't been that way probably the last eight to ten years now. And it it stems from when they tried to change the whole structure, the whole philosophy from when Van Gaal came in. They struggled with Moyes when Alex was a big backer in bringing him in. But then once Van Gaal came in, it just ruptured everything. And now you bring in Ole, who's the fans love that he's a good guy. We all respect him. We all hope that he does well. But he's he's actually just swimming under the water at the moment. He's mm-hmm. trying to get his head above water. He, he, and I think he's going to struggle. He's going to struggle. And he's going to be, yeah. at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy that, <laughs> that takes all the shots. And it's going to be his fault again. But it's it's higher up. It's deeper, a lot deeper at Manchester United than, than everyone can see on yeah. the outside. We're starting 30 years, like. Yeah. I mean, some would say some would say the uh, the seeds were planted actually in that last Fergie year as well when they actually won the championship. But it was a weird year that year. Yeah, um, the other teams fell off and they weren't a good. The quality team. wasn't good at the Premier League that year as well. You're right. Sean. And, and Fergie had brought in some, you know, had his, his transfer record the last couple of years wasn't that strong. Right. You know, he got off that. Uh, he he saw the writing on the wall oh, that that was going to be the last title that for a while. Yeah. Greater tweet from Mashia, good friend of TFC, Murphy Malone. Murphy underscore Malone 26 says, United should fire Oli Gunner and then hire Oli Gunner as interim manager instead. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great It's not great bad one. from Murph. Yeah. Bang on there. Well, he's, bang he's, on, a, he's a big Man City fan as well, Murph, so he pro- likes rubbing He's loving this, isn't he? Oh, he's, yeah, he's really enjoying him. this. He's probably the best interim manager by his record. Was it 14 games? I haven't got the record here. Yeah, it won 13 or 14. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. They, was a stat I saw on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, what was it from set pieces? Which you know, United are you know known for being pretty decent at as well. They haven't scored a goal from a set piece uh, in eight months. Wow, that's unbelievable, isn't it? But yeah. did you did you even see De Gea's comments yesterday? I, I'm not sure whether he was told. He's now the guy that goes in front yeah, of the cameras. I'm not I'm not mm. sure whether he was told to go out in front of the cameras to 
make a statement, but it was a disaster. He's, he's speaking about we haven't scored a goal in two games. Creating this is no not chances, good enough, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah. And we all know that. We can see that. But it was just really messy. And it kind of sums up where Man United are at the moment to have like the hair come out and mm. speak like that. You're in bad shape when you're eight games in and you've got players already talking like that. Yeah, You're in bad shape when you're, your goalkeeper, who, who's just on a new contract after flirting with other teams for a couple of years now, is now the guy that goes in front of the yeah. cameras to, to call out his players. Where is the leadership on that team? And yeah. you know, Leadership is something you can talk about in a, another show, perhaps. Um, but th- there's very little on that team, it seems, at the moment. You know, no... no the, the old cliche, there's no Roy Keane. Well, that's, you know, there aren't many Roy Keens out there, but yeah. someone to stand up and take responsibility. And talk's cheap, too. You know, I mean, you get the players to yell and scream and do all this, but at the end of the day, it's what they do on the field. You know, yeah. you, you show a 90 minutes for what you can do on the field, and that will uh, put you hopefully in good stead. But When they say, you know, players stop playing for a coach or manager, does that actually happen in your experience? When you say, enough's enough, this guy's got to be given the turf. Um, I've seen it. Um, not from goalkeepers, though, because you're, it's just the nature of the position. You're not going yeah, to not point. play. I mean, the shot's coming. You've got to save it. If you don't, they're not going to say, well, he's not playing for the manager. He's just terrible, <laughs> he's just right? He's crap. <laughs> Which they were right most of the time. But, <laughs> but it's uh, for a goalkeeper, it didn't matter who the manager was. It just You had to play for yourself and your team and your fans. And, uh, you know, you did your job as well as you possibly could. But as a striker, Deech, did you ever feel as though... No, you're playing for yourself anyway. Right. Again, but those positions right. are weird. Selfish. They're, they're kind of similar, right? Those, you're scoring. judged by yeah. goals. You're judged by saves. It's pretty simple. But yeah. everyone else, if, if you just stop playing for the manager, is it in training? Where, where is it that the teams switch off? No, it, listen, as a professional, most professionals, and we have seen it in, in clubs that we've played for, there is, there is a situation where guys will stop listening to the coach. So there's certain directions and information that the coach wants. And he wants implemented on on the field or on the game uh, of that weekend. But for a professional to say, I'm stopping playing for that coach, you're not playing for the coach at the end of the day. You're playing for the club that pays your wages, the fans that are turning up week in, week out, the community that you're representing as well, and your own professional um, job. That's 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 what you do, your pride, the way you behave, the way you act on the weekends, off the field. That's that's what you should be, but but is it always the case with everyone? No, because some players uh, that I've played with were acted like little kids a lot of the time, and they were like spoiled little kids where, hold on, you're on 20 grand a week, and you're saying, I'm not playing for this guy no more, I'm going to turn it in or pretend I've got an injury. At the end of the day, that holds you in kind of... uh, a bad spot for the rest of your career as well because it's not like the coach that you're playing for that present time will not talk to another coach or not work at another club. So you're actually setting yourself up for the rest of your career to be one of those guys that not many coaches will touch because of your behaviour at a certain club. And we've played with a lot Mm -hmm. of guys like that that just kind of fobbed it off and you thought, come on. That's the biggest thing is probably the, the fact that players will, they won't listen to what the manager's doing. Or what he wants to do anymore, he'll just go and do his own thing on the field. Right, right. Had, I remember I had players too that played well at home and not away. They always seem to pick up a hamstring injury away. Yeah, and they would show up, or you wouldn't even know they're on the pitch away. Then at home, they're fantastic, unbelievable in, in front, front of, of the home fans. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> which is a little bit easier to do. <laughs> but when you, I mean, like I said, you're a goal scorer. You're a 
goalkeeper and you knew that players out there really weren't given their all because of an issue with the manager, did you want to just like just grab him and shake him and say, listen, Christ, I, I need this. Maybe you don't need this right now, but I need this. At least get, you know, show some pride, get out there, play hard at least. Yeah. Rather than quitting the team. Oh yeah, there's lots of that in the dressing room. Absolutely, lots of it going screaming, yelling at people, and, and rightly so. Um, like we said, you show up, you have to work because uh, that's your job. That's, that's where the character of the team comes out as well, and that that should have been built up from preseason, where the team spirit is usually kind of magnified, and the the collectiveness of the group will not let one person or one individual let down the whole group. You can have your differences with a club if you're yeah. trying to get away or a coach where you're not seeing eye to eye. But at the end of the day, you're not only letting down yourself, you're letting down the other 10 guys that you're going out, you're stepping over the line with to go to war or to go and try and play in a difficult game with. So more often than not, it's the players that deal with it that sort that thing out. I don't see that in present day uh, football organisations. I think in the lower leagues, championships, right. League One, you, you, you would never, ever see that happen. But in the Premier League now where you've got a lot of foreign players coming in, uh, there's a lot of players on big, big money that have such a grasp of uh, or power which they can inflict on the club, it's, it's more difficult. But of course, you know, internal politics goes beyond the play on the field as well, right? It goes, you know, there's so many levels. And I think we heard that this past week or so with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang yeah. formerly of, of Dortmund, now of Arsenal. Um, he obviously didn't get on with, with the brass at Dortmund. There's lots of um, conjecture between you know, him and them this last few months at the club. But this past week, uh, the CEO uh, came out and made some comments to, I think, the Associated Press. It was, a great, it was press. a great quote from him. A stupid yeah. quote, but a great quote. Yeah, yeah. so, so um, the CEO uh, says, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is playing brilliantly for Arsenal, probably gets a warm heart when he looks at his bank balance. But Wednesday, he is sad as he only looks at the Champions League on TV. <laughs> wow, you know, that's quite quite a, a slap in the face uh, by hans Joachim Wojtka. Um, but, of course, this being 2019, social media as it is, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could not keep his mouth shut, could oh, he? Yeah. <laughs> so he goes on Twitter and says, Better for you I never talk about why I really left Dortmund, Mr. Wojtka. Use such a clown, and a little clown emoji, which is great. I remember that time you said we never going to sell us money, and then you saw more than 100 million. You were the first to take that money. A couple more laughing emojis. Uh, don't talk about money, please. Leave me alone, please. And he did the old pray, pray emoji. Please leave me alone. <laughs> but it does go, you know, I, I get what he's saying. It goes both ways. Loyalty and professional sports. Now, they're all mercenaries. I get it. Mm. I'm sure to a certain degree, you guys are mercenaries. If you were offered three times your wages somewhere else, you probably would have gone. Is it fair to say? I would have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know why probably, people hold yeah. players to a different level. Yeah. This loyalty. Is, I, I, I mean, I, 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 was, I, I thought there was something in loyalty. I was certainly sold on it by the upper brass at Ipswich. I ended up spending 13 years there, and it was a little cocoon for me because I went there at 16. But, um, yeah, loyalty. Um, there really isn't any. I think you have to be careful. You 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 don't want to just go out and be seen as an out and out mercenary. But um, I guess there's times and places when mm. loyalty would still come into play. But at the end of the day, you're right. If they're going to offer you three times as much, uh, your career is very short. I remember an ex pro. I can't say his name because he was an experienced guy when I was playing, and we had. Uh, 
a younger player that was being touted to go to Premier League clubs throughout the country just got into the England team. And uh, the, the experienced guy had been at this this club that we were playing at for a long, long time. And he basically said to the young guy, he said, listen, there's no loyalty in this game, fella. He says, at the end of the day, you are just a piece of meat. So you have to look after yourself mm -hmm. as much as possible. I kind of looked at him and said, you've been at this club for 12 years, so there's got to be some loyalty. Like, uh, a kind of an old romantic in saying, I w wish yeah. I was a player that could have played at a club for like 12 to 13 years. But he was dead right. Like, as soon as the club, whatever club it is, see that you're not performing or they see something fresh out there that is new and they want or new coaches coming in with different ideas, you're out on your toes. So yeah. what the players do have now is the security of these big, big contracts. Back in our days, it wasn't like that, Craig, was it? No. Like, you didn't have the security of that money. No, the managers were making more than any of the players usually. Yeah. They had that power, and if they didn't like what you're doing, they would literally go throw you in the youth team to rot. Yeah. And then you had to build yourself But nowadays, you can't do that because that player is going to be making three or four or five, six million pounds a year. They're not going into any youth no. team to rot. And then the president knocks on the door and says, why is Joe not playing? He's on... <laughs> Yeah. 100 grand a week. Exactly. Similar to like what Ozil's going through at the moment with Arsenal. I'm sure. Yeah, I feel so bad for him. There's it's a lot of. Uh, so hard. There's a, well, he's on 350 a week. <laughs> there's a lot of questions being asked no to Emery at the him. moment. Yeah. No one's going to pay him that. But yeah. he's, he's still picking up his dough he's, at the end of the day. But again, I go back to the lower leagues where it's very, very harsh, where you have to look after yourself. There's so many players out of contract now that are still trying to find a club. And the league started, the new season started two months ago now. And they're still trying to find clubs. They have families to support, mortgages mm -hmm. to support. So I understand there's, there's a certain um, way of, of players looking after themselves. They have to look after themselves because at the end of the day, the clubs are going to look after themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Deitch, was that that veteran player you just talked about, you know, who was basically this terrible mercenary? It wasn't Jimmy Brennan by chance, was it? Please tell me it was. No, he was the king of mercenaries. Was he? He was a yes. king, yeah? Well, let's oh. ask him about it, shall Bristol we? Bristol City, <laughs> Norwich, right Nottingham Fort. Oh, hello. Hey, who's <laughs> here? It's Jimmy Brennan. Yeah. Welcome, hello, Jimmy. Welcome to Footy Prime. No, thanks for having me. Our first guest. It's good to see you. Yeah. Our first ever Am guest. Am I the first guest? You are. That's not bad. Yeah. Jimmy Brennan, uh, a, a, a veteran of, of many clubs, as just discussed, across English football. Currently, currently Jimmy is a, a founding partner, VP of Soccer Operations, and head coach of York 9 in the Canadian Premier League, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, my, my first question about this is this. So, so any head coach manager at some point, no matter how great he is, will get fired, right? Yeah. Right? Will you fire yourself? Or who's going to fire <laughs> no, you? Yeah, you're like there's, a the show. <laughs> there's a good possibility, yeah. I'm going to have a good word with myself. <laughs> Imagine that in the uh, little closed-door meeting with Jimmy, yeah. talking to himself, yeah, big yeah. mirror in there. I'm going to have to have an exit meeting at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jimmy, year one of the CPR, I mean, it's such a crazy, crazy thing to be through, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, the cavalry and the forge have been so good this year. They'll, they've made the final, of course. But overall, as your first, you know, um, job as a head coach in, in professional football, how, how's it been? Has, has it been a learning experience? Um, what's it been like in this season? You know, it's 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 been it's been very difficult. But you know, I've been, I've enjoyed the challenge. Um, you know, I had a few years with, with Toronto FC where I was a, the assistant assistant coach and. 
You know, you're, you're kind of learning your trade. You're learning off the managers that you're working with. And now you're kind of in the hot seat and you're the, the guy that's making all the decisions. And um, it's, it, you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm liking it. You know, I think it's a, it's an opp- my opportunity now where I can express myself as a coach and, and try to take what I've learned over the years and the experience that I've gained and, um, and try to implement that into training, into the games. Um, and I tell you, that there's, there's no better feeling than when you have a good week of uh, training. And you guys know this. Um, and then you see what you've worked on, you know, come to fruition in the game. And the guys are actually executing what you've, what you've worked on. You get a good result out of it. Um, and then the flip side of that is where you where you work all week and you, you think, okay, we've had a good week of training and then come, come Saturday, <laughs> you're gone, tits up. what the hell are yeah. you guys doing? Yeah. Well, we were actually just talking about managers and players, you know, back in the day when, you know, did players stop playing for managers or was it a case of not listening to the manager? You know, saying, this is what we want you to do, the instructions from your coach, and then players just end up doing their own thing anyway on yeah. the field. And I think it's it's finding that balance. Um, you know, the, I think the, the game's changed obviously since since we played, um, and the, the the players are completely different today than what they were. Um, today, you, you know, you've got to find their soft spot and figure out how how can I get the best out of this kid. And you know, is he the kid that needs a, a cuddle? Does he need a little you know slap in the back of the head? Does he? Do I got to yell at him? Talk mm. softly to him? Can I only talk to him one on one? And it's it's completely different, and it's finding that balance where they're not going to tune you out. Um, back when we played, the gaffer would just yell and scream at you, throw cups of tea at you, and, mm-hmm. and you just got on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely different now, and um, you know, and I, and I understand that. Where you know, when's the right time to give them a bollock, and when you know, because you can only do it so often because players tune out, don't they? Yeah. So you got to wait for those right effect. moments to have that that go at the player, um, and then the rest of the time, it's it's about educating them and encouraging mm-hmm. them. Um, because a lot of these guys, it's their first year as a professional, right? They they haven't been through it before, so you're you're, you're trying to coach them through mm-hmm. it, and, you know, and get them to understand what the day the day to day rigors are of, of being a professional. Football. A lot of what you're talking about too is, I mean, it's just this experience that you're getting is is not uh, is brilliant right through the board. When you look at right across the CPL, and yeah. it's going to expand, is that the opportunities for Canadian coaches, for the most part, to get their chances and their feet wet with coaching, which has been really a problem for Canadian coaches in the past, getting those opportunities. Yeah, and it's you know you're right in what you're saying because I think if you if you if you look at the game of football. Um, regardless what you've done in your career as a Canadian, you've still got that stigma of being a Canadian. And and nobody was going to hire you over in Europe, mm. right? Nobody's going to take that, mm-hmm. that, that chance on you. Um, but this has given an opportunity for those Canadian coaches to really express themselves and, and, and find a career being a, being a football coach. Um, but it's not just the coaches. It's, it's the players. It's Canadian administrators. Sure. It's, it's everybody involved in the game. It's, it's given them an opportunity. And, you know, we're, we're kind of looking after our own now, which is a, a great, great thing to see because nobody else is going to look after the Canadian coaches and players and administrators, are they? No. Um, so but it's, it's a, a chance to... A big chip on your it. shoulders, and, and that yeah. can be a positive thing, I suppose. For right? sure it is. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And uh, I think across the league, I think everybody's thriving and, and really enjoying the challenge. Um, you know, there's, there's a good camaraderie between all the coaches. You know, we're always talking and... Um, yeah. You know, encouraging one another, and because you know, it's it's the first time for a lot of us uh, as a as a head coach. Yeah, everybody's in the same boat. They're all in the same boat, and yeah. the thing is, you want to you want to see, yeah, you, you know, your your opposite coach. You want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. You want him to do well. You know, in, in this game, you, you don't want to see people fail. 
Um, you know, but just as long as they finish below me, I'm fine with it. Right? <laughs> Jim, oh, yeah. go, going back to the players, and this is a uh, something I've been thinking of for like the past three, four months, and I've been watching little bits of CPL. I came to watch your game versus Montreal in the Cup, where yeah. I thought you guys played a fantastic game, and you were unlucky not to get anything out of that tie in not just that game, but. I think it's been a perfect pathway for a lot of the boys that I've seen at TFC Academy or we've seen play through League One here in Ontario to get the opportunity to play at the, the professional level. Um, what I would like to see is even more younger players play within the league. So I'm hoping that, that teams are going to open up even more positions for these younger Canadian players that might not be able to play at Vancouver Whitecaps yeah. or or Ottawa Furia or Toronto FC or Montreal Impact to give them that that second chance as it, as it is instead of going to a third division in Europe somewhere and they slowly fizzle out through their careers. Yeah. So this is a good opportunity for them to, to, to maybe get that second chance as I'm talking about, but really, really seeing them play in front of their, their home fans or their friends and families, but getting the opportunity to play in yeah. the Canadian Premier League. Is there going to be even more of an opportunity for these younger boys now to play? Yeah, you know, there is. And the thing is, too, Deech, you, you, you know firsthand. You know, work, working in the, in the academy at TFC, you know, you, you, you work closely with the first team. So you see the amount of talent that's in there. Um, but they're not going to get the same opportunities as what they will with the Canadian Premier League. Canadian Premier League, we, we have to play young Canadians. We have to have uh, three Canadians that are under the age of 21. They get 1,000 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we've got to play them. We're only allowed seven foreigners. So our whole roster's majority Canadian Canadian guys that we have to play, and especially these young boys, it gives them an opportunity because, you know, if you're in a TFC, you're going to be in the academy for a number of years, maybe break into the reserve team. But I'll take a kid at 18, 19 that's got potential and stick him in the first team mm-hmm. and get him first team games, which means now we're starting to move their career at a younger age mm. and hopefully get them into the national team eventually. I mean, just this mm. year alone, um, We've had three guys. We had well Ryan Telfer, obviously, who we took on loan, but we give him that opportunity of, of playing week to in play, and week yeah. out, and and he's thriving now, right? He's really coming into his own. He's got a call up to Trinidad and Tobago. Um, we had Justin Springer, um, you know, a, a young local guy, not, not too many people heard of, he's breaking into our team now as a center back. Got called up to St. Kitts, and Emilio Estevez just got called up to Chinese Taipei. He's playing against Australia this week for mm-hmm. a World Cup qualifier. So even though they're not playing those three, they're Canadian kids not playing for Canada, but it just mm-hmm. goes to show you that they've got that opportunity, they've gotten the shop window, and now their career is kind of heading down a, a certain mm-hmm. path. But late you know, developers too, a lot of late sure. developers. We play yeah. with guys, you know, a guy like Stuart Pierce, for instance, uh, yeah. didn't get into the professional game until much later, and late developer, and then going on to play for England. So you, you do get that, and uh, certainly that second opportunity for these players will certainly put them in a good position. It's been fascinating seeing the evolution of these teams this year too because, I mean, essentially these teams are thrown together, right? And you didn't really know what you had until they got on the field for a first-year league and and you're seeing some teams, you know, work really well, other teams not so well. Do you expect to see a big turnover in personnel this uh, off-season? You know, I I think you will. I mean, look, apart from from Calgary and um, and Forge, you know, those two already had a a core of players. Um, we knew that they were going to be, you know, organized, disciplined. They're going to have their, their their style of play and philosophy right from the get go, um, and you could see it. You know, yeah. they, they were had the rest was were playing catch up. I took twenty three guys, put them together, and said, okay, let's let's get going here. Now this is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do. And so we're we're seeing a lot of the guys and a good core of the players really kind of thriving and getting how how we want to play as a as a club. 
Um, but then there's other players as well that are finding it a little bit difficult um, making that jump now into that that the pro league and the demands for training week in and week out, mm-hmm. um, the travel, um, and what it means to to win. Uh, so what what we'll have to do is we're gonna have a, we'll have a good core of players, um, and then obviously you know maybe four or five players in the off season try to bring them in, strengthen the squad, mm-hmm. and so next year we're hoping okay let's let's have a good run now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing seeing how the game's growing in this country, and the CPL obviously is uh, an enormous part of that moving forward. Do you get much time to watch other leagues at the moment, Jimmy, or are you just so focused on on CPL? No, I, listen, I, I do. I'm you know I I watch the the, the Premier League and. You know, I watch the championship. I watch a little bit of Italian football, um, MLS. You know, I'm trying to follow that a lot. Um, I just look. I lo- I'm like you guys. I just I, I love the game. I watch as much as I can. You enjoying Norwich this season? Yeah, fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, they they are fun to watch, aren't they? They're not bad. I know you're smiling though, and I know no, the no, why you're serious. smiling. They are fun to watch. He's sitting watch. at the top of the table with Liverpool. Listen, no, 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 Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool. Let's talk about Liverpool. <laughs> oh, no, no, feel free. I haven't no. seen him so happy in years. <laughs> no, I know. I <laughs> wonder why that is. Um, no, but the, uh, the, the Canaries, though, I mean, they are. They're, they're a fun team to watch right now. No, You're your old team, of course, and yeah, you've got they, a fun uh, affection you know, they, with them. They're, they're, playing, they're playing great football. They've had a couple of good results and then obviously some bad ones, but I think overall, you know, it's uh, the, the style that they're playing right now, it's, it's entertaining. You know, they're, they're moving the ball well, they're creating the chances, they're scoring goals. Um, and I know the Norwich fans are, are loving it right now, obviously being back in the Premier League. Um, but you know, a few more wins under the belt, and I think that Man City game was was fantastic yeah. for them. Wasn't that a great game? You know, but they, they haven't spent wins. a lot of money as well, which no. is good. Daniel Fark, who was come in and was basically on the edge to get fired about a year and a half ago, and they said, "Look, we got to stick with this." He's bringing a lot of younger players through from the academy system, and now you've just seen them develop into the first team and. They had a bad result on Saturday. I know they got spanked by Villa, but still, they they are going to punch above their weight because of the money they've spent, but also because they're bringing a lot of young players through. They brought in Puki, yeah. who struggled in Scotland for a little bit with Celtic, went away, come back as an astute signing, and he hasn't scored in a couple of games now, but he's a very good striker in the yeah. Premier League. He did great in the Championship as well. Yeah. Dominant. Bang, oh, bang, and then at the beginning of the season, you're thinking, oh, okay, here he goes. He's going to light, light the Premier League up. But yeah. you're right. He's had a little bit mm. of a dip right now, but... I'm sure he'll come back. But out. we're seeing some of these smaller clubs like going for it. It's Brighton as well. Like they're not scared. They're not you know putting ten men behind the ball anymore. Yeah, they're actually going for it against good teams. Well, they Do you are. think, even, they, even think the Palace the same? Like Palace is Palace are improved this they, year. They've improved big time. Leicester's looking sharp again. Sheffield United are going to be the the, the team that <laughs> again a team that for. goes yeah. for it and, and when they they can sit and counter very very well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a fun season so far. Is Tactically, is the game evolving? Do you think our teams realizing that? Yeah, actually, if we do try and play some football, we can be successful rather than the old tried and tested sit back, defend, kill off games. Well, I think you'll still see that to a certain extent. I mean, Man City's and Liverpool's are going to play against a deep block all the time. I think that's going to be just yeah. something they're going to have to deal with. Man City have struggled to break that down this year, but usually they have no issues at all. I think now uh, more than ever, uh, the tactics of the game, the in-game movements and the, the management of, of all coaches have gone to a different level than when we played. Um, and that's great to see um, that they, they can they can basically be anything that they want on any particular day. Um, yeah. And the strategies change from week to week. So yeah, that's... I, I agree. And I think, I think when you look at the Premier League now, I think everybody's taking a little bit more risks now, aren't they? Mm. You know, the way that they're playing. And, I mean, Sheffield United's got 
center backs getting forward now, overlapping, overlapping and bombing <laughs> on. And, you know, everybody's just trying to be creative. And, and how do you create numbers up in certain areas of the park? And What changed then? Was that like, was that pep arriving and, and showing how it's done in England to a certain degree? Or, or was this already happening? I, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, I like to think at the same time that maybe maybe it's just managers know that the shelf life is not too long these days, is it? Yeah, so, so if you're going to do it. something, take have a go at it. Go down fighting. Go down fighting. Swinging. But, but implement your own your own philosophy and style mm-hmm. and, and Listen, go for it. Listen, great story of when me and Jim were on our coaching course down oh, in, yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> I think it was our USSFB or it was our B. So we're down there on a, a crash course Wait, what, for like sorry? seven days down in Tampa. We were in Tampa for our coaching course. No, it was a seven-day course. Oh, seven days. So it was me and Jimmy and we were we were we were with a lot of like university coaches, but there was also a lot of public guys there as well. So... Me and Jim are in every session because you have to be the bodies to train as well tactically for the coaches that are trying to be assessed. So on, I think it was our fifth day, sixth, fifth or sixth day, we got friendly with this Italian guy, Mario. He was from Miami and he, he struggled with his English anyway, but he, he took a, a, a liking to me and Jimmy. Didn't you own a pizzeria? <laughs> I think he did own a pizzeria. <laughs> it's a cliche, it's isn't it? Jesus. Pizza that day. <laughs> so anyway, it was his final assessment and he set up his team and he, his, his topic was playing out of the back. So he put me as a left centre back, which was a wrong choice anyway. Jimmy as a left back and he had the rest of the which team set awesome. up. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we've started playing out the back. I've received the ball, played it to Jim. Jim's received it and played a lovely ball into the striker. And we've got up and got a chance. Whatever, And he's gone, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> so I'm looking at him and I'm going, what's wrong, Mary? He's going, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. So I'm looking at Jim again. What, what's, what's he want? He says, Danny, next time you all receive the ball, you play the ball to Jimmy. Jimmy takes a touch of inside. And you overlap him with pace. <laughs> so I looked at Jimmy, and Jimmy's absolutely pissing himself. He's going, fucking overlap, center backs overlap. And I, I'm whispering to Mario, I'm going, Mario, uh, I don't think you should should do this. Like, it's not it's not right to do this. Like, center backs don't overlap. He's going, no, Danny, I wanted this. So then I mentioned in my broken Italian, I don't think you want to, like... This is not possible. You're, you're not going to pass. So he said, no, Stanzito, Jocka, play. So I'm, I got the ball. I passed the, I'm passing the ball out to Jimmy. Jimmy's absolutely in bits crying now. And I'm making my best overlap run like Usain Bolt in slow-mo from centre-back around Jimmy at left-back. And we broke, it's broken down. And I've just looked at the assessor doing like their grades and everything. And he was just like nodding his head like this. <laughs> It was one maybe of the it was on. Maybe he's on or something. I was going to say yeah. that now. Like the maybe he works for Sheffield well, United now. Look at look at, <laughs> look at that. Pep squeezes center back in the midfield. And Mario was ahead of his time. Yes, he was but well I, ahead I of thought, his time. I thought your movement was good though. The way you just, <laughs> just run around me, I was dying. <laughs> what, what, oh, where's, where's Mario now? Working for Sheffield United. Not 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 for pizzas. <laughs> Selling pizzas in Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. probably. But no, good times. <laughs> Craig, you got any uh, Jimmy stories from your time playing for Canada on Jimmy. the road? I'm well, sh- I know you have, but once yeah, you exactly. Talk yeah. About here. Just be careful. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he bought a bow constrictor once, uh, <laughs> it, 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 and uh, a few of the players uh, in the hotel. This is in Mexico. Where you, where you can buy bow constrictors? You no, can, yeah, 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 yeah. Bought a bought an eight foot bow constrictor one day for a prank. This is on on. 
international duty. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Can you we talk? were good back then. Like a, a, <laughs> we were decent back then. That's, that's, yeah. that's we won stuff so we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the story. Why the hell would you buy a snake while uh, on international listen, so duty? Was, it was over. The game was over. Right? Oh, it wasn't during the game? No, no, no. I think we won. And so the guys were, were messing around having little pranks and that. And uh, I think it was Paul Salteri was uh, was messing around with, with Jason Ben and a few other guys. Playing cards, weren't they? Yeah. So I... I said, that's it. I said, these guys, you know, they're, they're taking the piss now. I said, so I grabbed, it was Mark Bircham at the time. I said, Birchie, I said, come on, let's, let's go. Let's, let's get these guys back. And he's like, all right, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. So we got some time off. Let's, let's kill some time here. So we go to the mall, and Birchie at the time had a, had a, a bad ankle. <laughs> so he's, he's hobbling along. So we get to this mall, and I, I find this wheelchair for him. So I'm, I'm pushing him around the mall. We look like, <laughs> like Little Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pushing him around the mall. I said, where, where are we going to get? So we get into this pet store. And as we walk into the pet store, I'm looking around. I'm going, okay, some fish. Maybe we get some fish. Maybe a couple of rats chucked in the room. <laughs> and as I'm wheeling them, there's this big aquarium. And there's this monster snake that's just sitting in there. So we kind of wheel, wheel by. And we stop. <laughs> what a sight that would have been. And we both look at each other. Because Bertie's in the chair. He kind of looks over his shoulder. Up I'm looking down at him. Mark likes snakes, don't I you said, what do you think? And he goes... Let's get it. I said, perfect. So I called the guy over. Excuse me, what kind of snake is this? He goes, bull constrictor. I was like, bull constrictor? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, all right. So it doesn't so goes, bite? I'm apparently not. So he goes like that. He goes, he, goes, he goes, are you guys into snakes? I was like, yeah. I said, I love snakes. He goes, do you have aquarium at home? I said, aquarium? I said, buddy, I said, you see the size of my aquarium at home. I said, it's like a rainforest. It's like a hotel room. Yeah. He goes, oh, it's, he, goes, it's, he goes, it'd be beautiful. He goes, oh, the, the snake would love it. I said, how much is that? And he tells me. I said, right, I'm taking that. Give me that thing. It looks beautiful. Is that male, female? What is this? So... As he starts pulling this thing out, I start to realize like this thing is massive. It's huge, and I'm and I'm touching it like with just my finger. Just <laughs> this thing is real. Look at it. So he goes and puts it in the box, and I said, like, I said, I need to know one thing. He said, Yeah. I said, Is this thing eaten? <laughs> he goes, You gonna eat somebody or just need to eat? And he goes, No, no, no. I ate yesterday. I said, So it's good for how long? He goes, Five days. Perfect. Give me that thing. Put it in the box, and I'm wheeling him. Wheel and Birchie. Birchie's got this big box with this snake on his lap. Get into this taxi, get back to the hotel. So we get up to the floor, knock on the door. Guys, let me in. No, you're not coming in. Come on, guys, I want to play cards. They're going, Jimmy, you hate cards. I said, like, yeah, but I, I really want to play now. This <laughs> so I've been practicing with Birchie. <laughs> so I think it was Jason Bennett comes over. He's like, all right. So he opens up the door. And as he opens it, me and Birchie, Birchie's hobbling along. Grab this big box. I said, boys, I got you a present. They're like, oh, what is it? What is it? I open it up and I throw this eight foot ball into this room. I shut the door. You've never heard so many guys scream, scream. in your life. And the worst thing is, we're on the third floor, so they couldn't jump out. <laughs> so the guy gets up. One of the boys calls the calls the security, and he goes, uh, he goes, listen, he goes, are you security? He goes, yeah. He goes, get up here. There's a snake in my room. So the guy's like, yeah, all right, okay, whatever, yeah. buddy. So he hangs up. So I'm holding the door. Me and Bertie are both holding this door, right? We're having a good laugh at this. Keep in mind, we won the game, so we're allowed to do this. So we. <laughs> so we Who was your coach? Was that? Uh, I think it was Holger. Who was it? Oh. So, so he didn't understand that. Yeah. No, he totally got it. Because <laughs> 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 Germans, they get him. So I've got, I've got this door shut, and all of a sudden the security guard starts walking up the, the corridor. And as he's coming along, he's looking, he says, What's going on, guys? I said, Not much, just, just hanging out, killing some time. 
He goes, look, I got a call that there's a snake in the room. I said, snake in the room? I said, are you crazy? He goes, here, I got to have a look anyways. He opens up the door. He goes, Jesus Christ, there's a snake in there. <laughs> Jason then yells off. He goes, are you security? He goes, yeah. He goes, get the snake out. He goes, you can piss off. He shuts the door. And he walked off. He walked away. He left it. Apparently, Jason Ben didn't come down off of the top of a wardrobe for at least an hour. <laughs> no, he was, on, he was on the wardrobe. He was on the wardrobe. Wouldn't Jesus. come on. The guys were scattered all around the room. So, so eventually, we, me and Bertie, we, the guys, the guys ran out, and me and Bertie were just looking at each other and just picture this big snake out. And I'm going, how, how do we, how do we get this thing? So. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the crocodile hunter. So, <laughs> and I remember seeing him grabbing snakes and that. So I'm like, Jimmy Irwin. <laughs> so I'm like, Bertie, Bertie, you grab the tail. And as you grab the tail, just give it a good yank back, right? Let's throw this thing off. I'm coming in with a pillow and I've got its neck. So the plan sounded amazing. <laughs> it didn't work that way. This thing was wrapped around my arm. Bertie's tied up. The two of us were wrestling with this thing. Jesus. So eventually we got it back in the box, <laughs> and we we took it back to the store. So you got a, the, the, I got half my money back. Got half, <laughs> <laughs> but it was but worth it, right? it for it like half an hour. Uh, got half Jesus, my money back. man! If, if Pedder's listening to this, don't blame us. Blame Jimmy Brennan. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, that's some story. <laughs> it's so much so that we're actually out of time, and we haven't even got time for a big question this week. I don't think because my God, oh, should we squeeze it in? Ah, we'll squeeze, what the hell? Dan Wong, producer, says, what the hell? Yeah. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. There's no time constraints. Big question, Jimmy. Yeah, um, I, I want to keep going on this, this snake story. No. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Listen, but, to be fair, I mean, we've got so many stories. We could, we, could be, we could be talking for hours, couldn't we? Yeah, well, we know we'll get you back on the show for sure. End of the season. Only, what, uh, three or four more weeks left? Of, yeah, we've got a couple, CPL, couple right? games left. Yeah, you get back on the show. Left. If yeah. you want to come back on, that is. We can't pay you. But <clears> you any talk, any talk of uh, format change next year? Big question. There it is. There's my question. Thank you. Is that the big one? It's not that's, that's, that's my that's big, big question. question. Craig's big it's, one. It's big-ish. Yeah. It's, it's pretty Because it was a spring season. Yeah. Ball season. Yes. And the two play against each other in the final, which is going to be already decided. We yeah. Know it's going to be Forge and Calgary. Calgary, yeah. And uh, will they do that next year, or do we go to uh, one? As as far as I know, they're they're going to be doing that next year. Um, a spring fall season. Yeah, but in the in the off season, I think there's, there's going to be quite a few meetings um, because look, I mean, everybody wants to improve the league, right? And you, it's it's a learning process. There's going to be some mistakes made this year. There's going to be some good things done, um, and then I think at the end of the year there'll be a review and say, okay, what what could we do better? How do we how do we improve on this and um, and then they'll they'll go from there, and then I think it'd be a uh, it'd be a vote between all the clubs and saying okay, yeah. well, what's what's the best thing that that we want to do for for the league? So nothing formally has come out, mm-hmm. um, but there will be discussions uh, about how to improve everything. Part of that reason was because they were trying to get a, a winner, weren't they, to get something to do with the Concacaf Champions League? Yeah. That was the whole idea of well, having that, it. You know, at the beginning of the season, they, they, they looked at a, a number of things, right? Obviously, the, the European model with the with the playoffs, and then the South American with the, the spring and the fall. Yeah. And, um, and I thought I thought it worked well because the reason being is you you, you know for the, for the spring season it was a good goal where you had 10, 11 games and everybody's at it. Um, Calvary won it, but it gave us an all all an opportunity as well in that window before the the fall started to eventually get a few more pieces to, to the team and, and work on things that you you notice in that mm-hmm. spring season and try to improve in the fall. Yeah. 
Because um, that's new to you too, because you've never played. No, I never played or coached in, no. in a league without uh, nothing, nothing like that before. But I, I actually, I actually didn't mind it. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was pretty good because yeah. it gave everybody an opportunity in that next part. Rather than some team just going and, and yeah. winning the league halfway through the season, everybody's playing for nothing. But it just gave everybody an opportunity yeah. to keep going and, yeah. and playing for something. Yeah. So I liked it. It's a tricky thing, isn't it? You know, find the perfect format in Canada, obviously yeah. with the the seasons as they yeah. are. And I know people have been campaigning for this single table format. You know, first place takes it all, but. Without relegation promotion, that doesn't work. It's as simple as that. You need playoffs, and in North America, playoffs are fine, in my opinion. They, they work. People like them. You like to have a big event yeah. you know, mm-hmm. at the end, well, have this cup you're, final. You're, you're right, James. And I think you know, with North America, it's, you know, they're all about the stats. They're all about playoffs. And, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's well, one of the most, expe- one of the most exciting things. I mean, remember the playoffs being brought in in England for the, uh, the championship. championship. Yeah. yeah. You know, the top yeah. two go in, and then you play off with the rest. Of it. it works, right? And it it's works. And then the final is actually the one of the most expensive. 100, 100 million pound game. Yeah. 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 The playoffs so, are amazing. You played in the playoffs, yeah. right? And it's, uh, I played in the, the playoffs in England. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. The games if you get were, to the final, electric, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you win it all, it's fine. If you yeah. lose. Well, it's MLS nice. playoffs yeah. are uh, upon us as well, right? Yep. And uh, some, some fascinating matchups there, and we'll mm-hmm. get to those in the coming weeks yeah. as well. Jimmy, thanks so much, mate. Really enjoyed this. Um, good luck with that closed-door meeting with the, your boss. Yeah. In, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Be like me, myself, and Irene. Yeah. <laughs> you and him. Looking at that mirror. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you deserve another year. Yeah. All right, so yeah, just yeah. keep going. That wasn't a bad year, was it? All right, don't forget to uh, check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Um, we're on or will be on Instagram. Uh, obviously, we're on Twitter. Um, anything else there, Dan? Spotify. 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 Apple iPod. Apple Podcast. Podcasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're We're everywhere. iTunes is now called Apple Podcasts, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thanks, what? Apple Podcasts. All right. It's all changing, Jimmy. It's all evolving. I'm like, just like keeping up with it all. We want to thank once again Eggplant Picture and Sound for making this very possible. And of course, producer Dan Wong, Danny Decchio, Craig Forrest, Jimmy Brennan. Thank you so much. I'm James Sharman. Cheers for listening if you're listening, and cheers for watching if you're watching. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.